This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to a special Albion analysis. As I said on the main pod uh, this week, we intentionally didn't cover anything about the takeover because we thought it was uh, better to have more tried and tested hands on that particular one. So we're delighted to say we've been joined by Action for Albion's Ali Jones, who has driven a lot of things throughout the the course of uh, of this. I don't know what to call it, roller coaster ride. And on that very point, Ali, they, they, um, I was uh, joined, uh, I was uh, invited on to talk sport on Friday night to talk about the, the, the takeover. And the first thing they, they asked me was, um, how, uh, how did you feel after the news? And, and, and the word I used to describe it was relieved. <laughs> and, uh, I, I don't know, is, is that, is that your overriding emotion at the, at the announcement on Thursday night? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Afternoon or evening, guys. Um, yeah, it was um, relief is probably the best word. Uh, I think that's. I think Chris used it on uh, another podcast as well, and I think that's the overriding feeling that most people with any platform have really said. Um, I was, to be honest, we're getting tired of the trust trust the process sort of thing because it had been going on, and and and, and you know by. With one of the most important things in all this, Matt, is that I've got really good friends, including yourself, and we've spoke about this offline, and and it's just trust the process, and it was becoming to be squeaky bum time, really, and um, yeah. So when it came through, it was sort of a bit like the um, Barcelona of slow, 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 quick, quick. You know, what I mean, it seemed to be taking ages to evolve to get to the point where we got to, and then it happened really, really quickly, and. I think on Friday, there was a bit of an anticlimactic sort of thing from Friday, really. I mean, I think it took everybody by surprise. And then obviously, Carlos thing happened on Friday night. But I mean, the the, the build-up was, was so palpable. I was so excited for the, for the night. And, and it hasn't really hit me as yet. I'm saying just, it, it's just beginning to hit me that, that everything's lifted. That it feels... Somebody said to me on a voice note today... 
you actually your, your whole demeanour, your whole voice sounds like different because it was. I ain't gonna lie, it was quite stressful. It was, <laughs> you know, I mean, like it might be a voluntary sort of thing, but it was quite stressful because you've got the hope and expectations of people. Not there's nothing. I'm not saying that we've changed everything, but people wanted answers, and we were the ones that could try to give those people answers. And when you hadn't got them, or you hadn't got the answers that they wanted, it's natural that people go, "Oh, well, you want to tell us more, but." We couldn't, not because we couldn't, didn't want to, it's because we couldn't. You know, I mean, these things are very delicate and people were demanding us to make statements, the club to make statements, but it could have changed within 10 minutes of a statement being out. There's no point. So we just had to sit tight, sit on our hands, and when it did happen, yeah, the relief was palpable. I mean, obviously... It's. I think you've been aware for quite quite some time, probably probably a little bit before most of us that um, uh, Mr. Patel was the preferred bidder. Um, what do you what do you make of him? Uh, I mean, you've you probably had plenty of time to have uh, to have a look at him and his uh, and his background. What are your thoughts on him as the um, prospective and very very likely new owner of West Bromwich Albion in the next few days? Yeah, I think I think one of the most important things is um, that. He fits our profile. Um, and I don't just mean that from a demographic sort of idea. I mean it from he's a guy that really cares about the communities that he's involved with. He's philanthropic, which is very important for us, I think, moving forward. I think that he's made successes of businesses and communities. And but most importantly, he's communicated with people. I mean, it, again, if you're looking for the polar opposite of our previous regime versus the what looks like and the proof of the puddings in the eating, of which I do quite a lot of, as you know. But there's, um, I think what we're looking at forward forward is, is some real good communication, some real community sort of spirit. And when we started this, you and I, Chris, you were on the, we were on the first phone calls, really, and we wanted to build a mission statement, and that was the custodian, which is great that he's used that word, and I'm sure that the club have learned the lessons. Again, it's about communication. The, custod- the owners of the institution of West Bromwich Albion are us. Let's get that right. The custodian of our football club, whoever that may be, treat it morally and ethically, correctly at all times. That's all we want. We don't want a guy coming in as an oligarch spending hundreds of millions of pounds. We just want a, a club that's loved. Yeah, And that's what I think this guy will do. I was going to say because that I mean you, you know because you saw you saw an X that it was the first thing I pulled out of that statement and and highlighted on uh, on Thursday night was the fact that that was the word he'd used was custodian and that meant a lot to me uh, as long of course as long as he means it but um, yeah. that, that that meant a lot to me is that the feeling you get from him because I mean as you say what we've had from Lie is a guy that clearly doesn't care about the football club that um, sees it as, you know, something that he can just withdraw money from and quite noticeably as well, hasn't been anywhere near the football club in any real sense, you know, attended what a couple of games in the whole time he's owned the football club. He showed up to the training ground once for a, for a meeting with Valerian Ishmael. He was barely seen before or since uh, then. And, I mean, he was very much an absentee owner. He never spoke. Um, he, he never gave interviews about about the football club. And and to be honest, once you started untangling the web of the ownership, you actually wondered how much of how how much of it he actually owned, or how much um, how much the club actually was his anyway. Do you think we're going to get a lot more transparency, a lot more communication, and and probably a, and hopefully a lot more warmth this time around? I, I think I think there's a couple of things. Firstly, I think everybody now 
once it's done and ratified next week, we close the chapter on Mr. Lie. There's no point in crying over spilt milk. You can't do anything about the past. You can't do anything to change it. What's happened has happened. What's gone is gone. And there's no point in keep looking back on on life in general for me. I just think we need to just close the chapter. It was a bad chapter and we move on to hopefully much better things. As for Mr. Patel, do I think he's the right person? I think I think the club have learned more than anything. And I really do. And I'll be absolutely give high praise to our communications director, Ian Skidmore. When we started this, we we had never spoke and we probably disliked each other it's probably the honest thing um for various reasons part mainly mostly being my fault if i'm being absolutely cards on the table but ian put an olive branch out to us the day after the reading game um, and we did the after the game in alfred's lane and that was the first time that i think they realized that we weren't a noisy minority and we're trying to do it correctly and i'll I'll never forget what ian did because he picked the phone up and, and reached out to us. And that is really important, I think, in the in the future of what's happened with Action for Albion. Whatever anybody says, I think we've expedited the process. That's that's my own belief. That, to be quite honest, I don't care what other people think. I think we've expedited the process. I, th- I but, think most right-minded people th- th- think that, Ali. I, I, I don't think... I I don't see how you how anybody can believe that we wouldn't have get got to where we've got to without the the the, the media spotlight that you brought onto it. You yeah. you brought us to the forefront of not just local news but 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 national news. And there's so many there's so many clubs up and down the country that are in trouble that don't get talked about until they start doing you know actually interrupting games and stuff yeah. like that and um you, you somehow you managed to put us at the forefront of the news without actually bringing any public disorder to the whole thing yeah i mean that, that was always important we set our stall out accordingly it sounded like a football manager here but that's what we did we set the stall out and we were very consistent in what we said in the beliefs that we said but there's other people that not just action for albion as i say the shareholders for albion movement let me tell you that this as a categoric fact. We get a lot of the plaudits because we've got the names in the press. But if it hadn't have been for Lee Kent and Peter Wall, who did unbelievable work way before we even incepted inception and David Baker and there was Reds before them, these guys didn't just work for shareholders for Albion. They did it for all of Albion fans, but they did it without any fanfare and without anything. And when this was all finished and said and done. I'll tell you what, we can't tell them exactly how much how much they saved this club, but let me put you let me put you in the picture here. I can give you a little exclusive. When it was only five million pound loan, it was found out it was only five million. They were punching the air. It could have been so, so much worse. So these guys that have worked so hard way before us deserve absolute credit and they've They've gone a long way to saving our football club. We we got the exposure, we pushed it over the line, and there was all, all cogs in a wheel. Chris and Adrian before us, there, there were highlighting issues that nobody listened to them. So there's lots and lots of really important timelines that have moved forward. But I think we've absolutely expedited the process. That that's that was what I was getting to, and we have. I think where where, where we move importantly, we were talking about the links with the football club name and we'll talk about what's next maybe as a as a supporters trust hopefully in a few in a later date but i think there's a communication at the football club now with its fans that wasn't there 18 months ago so i think if the club have learned anything that they can have 
proper mature conversations with their fan base that can actually help build bridges between the football club. I think most football clubs have an issue where there's a massive gap between the playing staff and the fans. And the more successful clubs bridge that gap and they get a unity of togetherness. And I think through Carlos's work and obviously the results on the pitch help, but I think having a united football club, it doesn't half make a difference to the performances on the pitch. That's what I believe. And that's what we should work to work towards. It was never, when we all set this up, you part, part of it, Chris, as well, we set it up because we love the football club. And for me, where, where a lot of these protest groups go wrong is that they believe their own success and they'll start to believe their own hype and they forget the reason that what they were doing it for in the first place, which is because they love the football club and they want what's best for the football club, not what's best for the organisation. That's a huge difference for me. If you lose the biggest club in the world, Manchester United, the Glazer protest became more important about what's for the Glazer protest and what's happening about Glazers than what's happening at Manchester United. Mm. And I think that's where we've been a complete different... We separated the two entities at the start. We didn't have an issue with the football club. We had an issue with the owner. And I think that's where the success came from, if I'm being honest. Just on, on that communication, Ali, obviously, you know, ho- hopefully it's all ratified and done in the next uh, couple of days. Do you believe that um, going forward, Action for Albion will continue to be able to have the same sort of dialogue, maybe not with the same frequency with the, uh, with the football club, but um, I imagine that certainly until Mr Patel has been in situ for some time and we've seen what he's all about, there's probably going to be a, a, an element of nervousness from the fans. The old expression is uh, uh, once burnt, twice shy, of course. And, yeah. and and I imagine that's how a lot of Albion fans will, will feel. So I imagine it would be some sort of um, reassurance if, if, if they knew that action for Albion was still going to be able to get information and, uh, and, and answers from, from the football club, do you think that's likely? Um, I think Action for Albion will cease as its current guys because we've done what we needed to do and there is the Albion Assembly that's there as the talk. But I think what's absolutely important, and the club have realised this, I think, is to have an independent source of fan mm. base. There's criticism about the Albion Assembly and I, I, let me get this absolutely on record. I will never, ever, ever criticise anybody that stands up and does something voluntarily in whatever guys they want to do, whether they're picked by the club, whether it's the official supporters club, whether it's the Albion Assembly, whether it's Action for Albion. People have got off their arse and done something to try to help a football club voluntarily. So for me, that deserves credit, not criticism. With regards to what Action for Albion, we think, and we've done a bit of work before with the FSA, we think there is a need for an independent supporters trust for an for a club of Albion size. We're one of the few that haven't, and we think that and the club. I think that it's really important to do that. It's about evolution, not revolution. And I'll be absolutely honest, I'm bloody naked. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I think we'll 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 take stock, enjoy that we feel that we've had part of the success of the takeover, enjoy the ride of that, get right behind Carlos Corbran and the team that they deserve to be. We've got a fant- we've got a likeable team on the pitch, which is hugely important. By some miracle, how we've got to where we've got to with all of the all of the shadows cast in, in the background is just incredible and it shows a testament to both the players and the coaching staff and the professionalism of the both of those and the professionalism of Mark Miles 
Ian Skidmore and, and Ian Pearce to us as well, and Ron Gourlay before them. Everyone's got the right to criticise, but let's also give the right to praise. They've got this over the line when we were in a dark state. I never wanted to be the, the woe is me sort of panicky sort of thing, but I think people won't realise how close we were <laughs> uh, um, uh, because we didn't want to scare people, but and we were confident that it was going to happen. Mm. But if it carried on much longer... Just, just on that, you mentioned Mark Miles there, and uh, and uh, I mean, first of all, you know, I mean, uh, I've always been very open and honest on this podcast about my, my relationships, and people know that I know Mark. I worked with Mark, and and Mark and I get on, but you know, Mark and I don't have a, don't have a long standing sort of friendship. We speak occasionally when we see each other, but we, you know, we don't we we don't speak loads these days. So I'm not I'm not don't feel duty bound to praise him, but I have to say, I think I think he did an exceptional job, especially in the summer when. I think we all thought a fire sale of players was coming and he stood his ground and he basically said, if if valuations aren't met, these players aren't going. In terms of the club's um, situation as it finds it now post or or how it finds itself once the takeover is ratified, how do you see us in terms of our our finances? Are, Are we still massively reliant on going up this year, which I know was if the takeover hadn't come through and we hadn't gone up, we were completely stuffed. But yeah. uh, um, but now that the takeover has gone through, if we don't get that promotion, is it a massive problem? And do you no. see the there being a need to sell players in the summer? There'll be there'll be a transformation in the summer, whatever, because we can't sustain one hundred and sixteen to one hundred and twenty percent of wage versus turnover. Um, that's just not supposed to be. We've got to try to get down to 70% over the next couple of three years. So the good news is there's a, the legacy the legacy tran, uh, contracts from Premier League levels where we've got players on 35 grand plus a week. They'll be gone in the main. Um, and so there'll be a natural wastage, but there'll also may well be the point. Let's use a couple of high earners that have reported high earners for for ex- examples, Kyle Bartley and Matt Phillips. I'll use these two as as testament. And there might be questions as to on the footballing ability and their availability over a season, would you want to have them? Well, you wouldn't certainly want to have them on the money they're on now. But there might be an option where they'll know at 30 plus, they're never going to get that money anyway. They'll also know they're onto a good, good screw with Albion. They know what it's about. They've been here. And if the manager wants them, which I think he possibly will, we might be able to get another 12 months extension out of these players at considerably reduced wages that they're currently on because a bird in the hand's worth two in the bush from the player's point of view. And they'll also know that they're probably not going to get a better club to be able to compete at the top level of the, of the championship if we're in the championship. Well, and the, they know as well, if they go up, they get, they get a flex up in wages course, as well. So you asked the question, what will happen if we do we need to go up? We don't need to go up. It'd be very nice to go up, of course. And no, we're not stupid. I think one of the major differences actually is if we do go up, I think we'd be more competitive because we would be able to release the purse strings a little because of the profit and sustainability. I'd ask everyone to look at Action for Albion website. We've done a little bit of help with regards to what a new ownership would look like in its current, the, the new rules coming in, essentially. What it means is that the owner can only commit to £24 million worth of investment over a three-year cycle, and you can lose £5 million a year on top of that. So essentially, 
An eight external investment of thirty-nine million pounds over a three-year period is the maximum that you're going to be allowed. So it's difficult. There's also many other complex things that you, that aren't included. So, for instance, if we did if we did do something with the West End, for instance, the capital expenditure of that building won't go towards profit and loss. So that's a way that you could potentially increase your turnover to be able to use the percentage of that turnover versus wages if you get my drift. So there's lots of ways that you can build your business and build your turnover up because the profit and sustainability is about what you can spend as a percentage of a turnover. If your turnover grows, you can spend more money on wages. So the idea is, I don't personally agree with that because any business shouldn't be built on turnover. It should be built on profit and sustainability. So how are you, what the sense is of building your turnover? You might make less, more losses, but it should be based on profit because every other business in the world is, but whatever the mad world of football, it's based on turnover. So there's loads of ways that they'll need to build our turnover up. That's really important that people understand that because we can only spend what we bring in. It's not like it used to be. No. So... Uh... What has happened, as you understand it, um, when this takeover gets ratified regarding the loans? Obviously, a couple of very high-profile ones, the the, the MSD one, which we extended um, a short while ago, um, and then the the, the one that possibly... It wasn't it wasn't the most the, um, the largest loan that we've taken out, but seemed to get an awful lot of media attention, the warm front loan as well. Um, What's every mate. Yeah, uh, what what's what's your understanding with uh, I mean, particularly with the MSD one because that was very much the sort of like the sort of Democles hanging over uh, over our heads. Is uh, is that um, going to be paid off, or is that going to be is is that money that we are still going to continue to owe and have to pay off over a period of time? It'd be wrong of me to commit either way. I don't know, um, uh, and there's only going to be a couple of people within that building, in that room that will know. So there's no point in me raising conjecture. What I would suggest is that I trust completely um, the pe- some people's uh, the financials play it far more than mine. So I would suggest that, same as most people, most financial advisors would say, always oh, spend somebody else's money if you possibly can. So, I mean, there might be an option where we've renegotiated because don't forget that, and I've said this for a long time, that, it would have took a very brave football club that MSD had highlighted Shinan Patel as their preferred choice. It's a bit like if you're taking a loan out from a uh, from a bank, if you've got a, com- a, a company and you need some money, you borrow money from a bank and then the, the bank comes to you and says, oh, we've got a guy that wants to invest in your business when you were looking to inv- for investors and you go somewhere else and have that investment, your bank is going to be pretty peed off that they haven't taken your guy. So when he came about it, it was obviously it was going to be, I always thought we'd end up with Mr. Patel. We need to understand what the differences are regarding what the MSD loan looks like. We don't honestly know, and it's only been days. So one of the first questions I'm sure the S4A will ask, and if we get the opportunity, we'll ask, will be those sort of things. But it's, just celebrating the ding dong, the witch is dead at the minute. Isn't it? You know what I mean? That's uh, that's what we're looking for now. How much of a positive? Sorry, Pete. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shuck this one at him, and then I'll, I'll I'll shut up and let you speak. Um, just just quickly, Ali. How much of a positive is it 
that he's already kind of got an involvement in yeah. in football. Obviously, he's got a minority um, share in uh, in Bologna. Now, I don't don't suggest that he's doing he's doing masses of work there because a minority share is exactly that. It's a, it's it's not an ownership, but nonetheless, I mean, it's quite nice for that he's got an attachment to a Serie A club who are not just a Serie A club, but they're absolutely flying. They've gone fifth yeah. today. I know. I think more importantly, if I'm honest, more than the Bologna link, which is great. I was really happy that he was made chairman himself. That was that was massively important to me, and he wanted a hands-on role. Uh, it's like let's see what happens about the hands-on role. But from what is pertaining in his opening statement, I genuinely think he'll be around and have a lot of big, big focus on. I do think it's absolutely essential, and I'll be making this point if we get the opportunity to sit down with them. But we need to grow our our, our sort of board. Um, it's very, very light at the minute. I mean, you could have a board meeting in a phone box at the minute, couldn't you? You know, so I mean, I think we need we need to increase. We need a financial director. We haven't got one. I mean, Henry Poo, whatever, but I don't think he was on the board. We haven't got a financial director. Obviously, what happens with Ken will be some more to see. Mark's on the board. Ian's on the board, but uh, we do need some more people around to give help with decision making and things like that. So I'm sure that'll come. Potentially on the footballing side, I think we do need to look some more football orientated people. I hate that terminology, but I do think it would help. Um, so yeah, there's loads of work still to do, but we've got the time to do it now. We, it's, as I say, we keep going back to the word relief, but the the uh, I nearly said the wolves will cut from, uh, from the door. Then well, that's probably not the best analogy to use, is it? But yeah, we've we've got. Uh, some building blocks to achieve that are really, really, with the manager we've already got, which is special. A lot of the hard work's done. I think if you looked at Albion as an investment from outside, looking in, right, take away the blue and white goggles, we were probably one of the most attractive propositions. If you were stupid enough to invest in football, then I think if you look at Albion, Albion are as good as anybody for value for money-wise. Yes, we had a bit of debt. But there's not a lot that needs fixing. We've got a great stadium. We've got a good enough training ground with a bit of investment could be really good. We've got capacity to build the infrastructure if we want to. We're central to the country. We've got a historic football club. If you like, tick the box, we've got a great manager. We've got a good, good squad. There isn't a huge amount wrong. And that's a real positive. Mostly when you buy football clubs, they're in a mess. And whilst we were in a mess, it's a mess that we've managed somehow to come out of it relatively unscathed. So yeah, it's. I think it's really positive for the future, and I think uh, I'm really excited about what the next few years bring. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home, especially with Albion's home record under Carlos Corbran. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
So with um, Lai, obviously there was a lot of things wrong with his tenure, but I suppose the the thing that kind of highlighted everything and was the biggest worry was that we were required to take out these loans to fund the running at the club, which yeah. basically came down to the wage bill being too high for the league that we're in. So other than reducing the wage bill, what would you say Patel needs to do to be a better owner than Lai? I know it yeah. might sound like a stupid question. but oh, it's, it's a very good question, and, and, and I don't pretend to have all the answers. What I would suggest is that we've we've got a very successful academy that we've made a lot, we've built a lot from, and we've got a lot of fruit from. And I think any club in our sort of predicament has got to build from the ground up, and that means building your own players. I think more and more and more importantly, with the way that football's evolving and the way that football finance is evolving, I do believe that your academies are going to be where your success comes from. So I think if it was me... As a businessman coming in, I build on the success of the academy because that's pure profit as well. So, I mean, when we talk about profit and sustainability, if you look at Chelsea in the big league, they might be under pressure this year to sell Conor Gallagher, for instance, for big money, even though not, he's their captain and they don't necessarily want to sell him. But that's £60, £70 million pounds that they get for him is pure profit. If they sold one of their other players, like a casino, let's say, that they paid £100 million for, they're not going to get £170 million for Casido. So that means that the, the, to make the same amount of profit on their profit and sustainability, they've got to sell Casido for £170 million or sell Gallagher for £70 million. Which one's more likely to happen? So there's lo- football finance has changed hugely. And I've learned so much over the last 16, 17 months. But that's, that's where I think clubs like Albion, without parachute money, have got to invest in the future of the football club by protecting the, the, the talent they've got. So, again, if somebody had told us, lads, at the start of this season that Tom Fellows would be <coughs> potentially a 10 to £15 million signing player this time next year, if he carries on in that way, I'm pretty, I think that might be light. I think he's got a real, real good opportunity. Yeah, so just on the profit and sustainability, um, obviously, from the outside looking in, um, everything I read and everything that the action for Albion put out, it was the actual cash flow of the business that was that was was the biggest problem. Were we, or from your knowledge, were we close to breaching the current um, profit and sustainability about no. losses? No, we weren't. Because the reason for that, Pete, the honest answer is because on the three-year cycle, we still got parachute payments involved in them. So it's a three-year cycle. Next year, the season after this when the parachute money won't be in the three-year cycle, we'll be in a real dire situation. But whilst we've got parachute payments in our three-year cycle, it's not as critical as others. Next so, year will be a challenge if we don't rechange re- re- the wage bill, but the club are well aware of that and they've got the most important thing. We've got the ability to do that because a lot of the high earners won't be high earners. They might stay with the club as I've tried to insinuate with... Phillips and Bartley, but they won't be on the £30,000 plus a week. So I think it's, again, fell in our favour that we've got 12, is it, I think? You know more stats than me. I think there's 12 out-of-contract first-teamers in the coming up this year that are probably a lot of them on twenty grand plus a week that they're never going to get anywhere else. So if they want to renew... The only one that we potentially could lose, I think, that we'd like to keep, and it's sad, would be Mowat. 
And the reason for that is Moet joined on a Bosman transfer, so he would have been on a good sign on for in a good wage. And there'll be other people that possibly want him closer to his home. So that that's just that unfortunately, these are the sort of things that when you're a club without parachute payments, you have to cut your cloth accordingly. And I don't think. Yeah, so it's more about this summer. As long as we can reduce that wage bill, then Absolutely. we don't. It's not too much of a worry about profit and no. sustainability of the current the current regulations. I don't believe so. No. Just on the um, on the sort of transfer side of things, uh, Ali. As you understand it, how important in being able to do what we did in January was the sale of Taylor Gardner Hickman on a permanent basis to Bristol City? Because uh, think, that yeah. was that was obviously the pure profit that you're just talking yeah. about there. Yeah, I think he helped. I think also, I think it was pretty testament that we were pretty close to a takeover, that we kept every single player we bought three years and we gave another lad a three and a half year contract. I think that was, there were some pretty hefty clues there that we were closer than a lot of people were, were saying that we were. And that's one, that's one of the things that gave me solace at night when I was worried sick that the week of the transfer deadline, we bought Vyman, Johnston and Marshall in. And we signed Tom Fellows in a three and a half year deal, and there's rumours that we're talking to Cedric Kipre about a, a contract as well. You wouldn't be doing these things if you were going to be knocking the door to the MSD again at the end of March, saying, "Please, can we have some more money?" So there was always a, a feel good that they were doing these things. Again, it goes back to the summer where we kept players that we needed to, um, and I will again go on record the the. Ron Gourlay's decision to bring MSD in, whilst I think he said at the Assembly he didn't want to, I think that was a bit misconstrued. He had no choice but to, when you when you run out of money, you've got three options, really. You sell a club, which was at the time wasn't an option. You're a benefactor, stroke owner, puts money in. Probably the wheels aren't going to be very likely, let's be honest. <laughs> or you borrow money. Now, borrowing money from MSD actually put a security blanket around the club. So let me explain what I mean by that, if that's okay, because I think this is really important for people to understand. What I mean by that is that we've got a guy that bought our football club that was recommended by the bank that we owned money to, right? If that wasn't there, it could have been much more of an open field, which would have meant that people like Chris Farnell, that absolutely guarantee you, they thought they had a chance of buying our football club. In their heads, they thought they were going to buy it. I was very comfortable and put a statement out a few weeks ago saying they weren't going to because I don't think MSD would have allowed them to. There would have been some terms and conditions in the MSD loans that stopped people like him buying our football club. That's not to say that Matt Slater's report was wrong. It wasn't wrong. I think it got misconstrued what I was trying to say. Matt Slater's was told, and he was absolutely correct, and in, in hindsight, he did a great thing, Matt did, because he made it very apparent that these guys are thinking that they can buy our football club. What I'm trying to say is what Ron Gourlay did by bringing MSD made it far more difficult for Lloyd to do a backyard, backyard deal that we all know he would have done with some people that didn't care about our football club. So Ron Gourlay, whatever stick anybody gives him, he protected our football club by making the decision back 18 months ago to bring MSD in. In the long run, we, we said at the time it was the least worst option. It's actually turned out to be probably the best option for our football club's future. 
Just, uh, I mean, you've talked there about some of the reporting, and I, uh, I know from from uh, speaking to you on a regular basis, Ali, that it it, it drives you crackers some of uh, some of the inaccurate reporting. So my apologies for giving any more oxygen to uh, to inaccurate reporting, but I just want to quash one one thing, very, and I think it will get quashed very oh, very quickly. Don't talk to me about this three now, bloke. Chris. Yeah, I was going to say that there, as you understand it, there was an obviously a report last last week that um, Carlos Corbran might be replaced. And obviously, after what happened with Eustace and Birmingham, people yeah. are going to be worried. Yeah. As far yeah. as you understand it, that there's it's utter, it is utter rubbish, and there's nothing in it. Okay, right. Well, I think it was. I think it was very. I don't think it was a coincidence. It was half term last week, and it was that. <laughs> uh, it's utter, utter drivel. I, I didn't. I nearly, I nearly swore. I stopped myself. It's utter. Drivel. Yeah, please don't, because I've never had to tick the explicit box on our podcast yet. I won't. So. <laughs> I won't. I, 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 you know, we have a quite a potty mouth. But yeah, it, I, I, wrote, I read that Monday, and then my phone started bleeping, and I probably had seventy-five messages, and I swore at a few of them, if I'm being honest. But no, I mean, it, it, it's mental. If you think about it, right? The bloke was trying to say that a we were a rich club. Which is brilliant, uh, and and B because we've got links with Bologna, the Torino manager is going to be Albion manager. That's like saying, well, Albion are in England, so will I Pep? It's just mental. So no, politely. Good, is- good. Yeah. Okay, can um, we move on there? <laughs> yeah, we we can, and let's look. Let's move on to 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 more positive topics because um i mean I'll, I'll throw back to pete if he if he wants to ask anything more finance related because obviously as the uh, the guy who's uh, who's worked in accountancy he knows a bit more than me but i and mean they- i just i just want to sort of shadow back to action for albion shareholders for albion because you've touched on it ali but uh, you know look you, you you deserve an opportunity to speak for how proud you are of the work that's that's been done not just not, not just and this is not blowing your own trumpet because uh, because there's a lot more people involved than just yourself and i know yeah. uh, people like paul faulkner have done amazing work and uh, and uh, you know i'm sorry i'm not knowledgeable enough about people at shareholders for albion to name check them but i know there's loads of people over there i mean how 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 proud are you of the of the work that's been put in but also not just the work that's been put in to make things better, but the the amount of people's time that they have given up voluntarily because it's worth it's worth noting, and I don't think this gets said enough when people can start giving you stick on social media and stuff like that that you don't you guys don't get a penny remuneration for 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 the, any of the work that you put in you don't get you don't get anything back for the time you get you put in all you all, all you get to. is days no. like you got yeah. on thursday and that's and, and and ultimately that's your that's your reward and and i and i think to be honest i i, I think i pers- my personal opinion this isn't blowing smoke up your backside because you're you're on our podcast my personal opinion is that every albion fan out there owes a big big thank you to every member of a for a and every member of uh s for a as well but um how proud are you of, of what you did well thanks for that yeah I, I, i'm not gonna lie i'm really proud and i've done a lot of probably bad things over the last 10, 15 years. And for, for to have something that I'm really proud of and I can look myself in the mirror, and I, I, I'll, I'll be absolutely categorical and frank. I couldn't give a toss what people thought of me. Honestly, I don't. I know that I look at myself in the mirror and I know I've done this for the right reasons. And the only reason I did it for was because I love my football club. Anybody that wants to tell me that it's for my own self-gratitude or whatever, I couldn't give a toss. It says more about them than it does about me. All I know is that 
The football club needed me. I've got a big enough gob. So I thought I'd be able to do a decent job. I could converse pretty well because that's my job as a salesman. I thought I could offer a bit of added value and give some assistance where we needed it. And But it's a team effort. I've just got the biggest gob, but there's that many people behind me, behind us. Paul Faulkner, Dave Race, Paul Chapel from the start. You were there at the start. Then my son came in, Matt Johnson, Sally Benton. We want it's unbelievable the amount of work that we've had days, weeks. I mean, the, the march, for instance, people don't realize that that march took probably five or six man days out of all of our people's lives to organize. And that, what that, that and we're not looking for a pat on the back and all that rubbish. We're always saying is that we've really tried for everybody to try to give an opportunity and a platform to showcase that our club needed us. And every every fan stepped up, and I'm really proud of that. I think we're more together as a fan base than we were when we started, and I think that's a really good thing. You're always going to get some dissenting views. We probably, learning from the mistakes, gave them too much oxygen, if I'm honest, and that's something that we need to do to address if we become a supporter's trust that the oxygen that you give them, it just creates even more sort of... Um, conflict and that's something that we'll learn from and we've made loads of mistakes of course we have we're volunteers at the end of the day we're volunteer fans i didn't have a scooby-doo about football finance 18 months ago and you I've, I've i've started to learn a bit don't know a load about it but i'll tell you what i think one of the biggest pluses is that the afl contact us now for our discussions of what the, what they we think about the football pyramid that's only happened in 18 months. So people are contacting us now, like the FSA, like the the mayor's office, like EFL, like Fair Game. And they're asking us, what do you think we can do for football in the future? The independent regulator. That's where we added value. And for actually having Albion at the forefront, like we've always been for big changes in football. And it's, I'm proud to continue that tradition as well. So the club, when we had the first three degrees, for instance, and things like that. If we're at the forefront of change in the football club, that can only be positive for everybody associated with it, can't they? So it's not about Ali Jones, oh, he's here again. It's nothing to do with that. I know that, that'll get given, but all we're trying to do is say, this is Albion and something to be proud of. And, and I think that's a good thing. I really do. I couldn't agree more, mate. We're, we're fantastically said. And look, uh, you know, I think... Personally, uh, you know, just to just to finish off, and there's Pete's got anything he wants to jump in with. Um, that that, that um, I, I just think you should be really proud of uh, of everything that you've done uh, over the last uh, few years. I, I think I, I definitely think you've made uh, you've made a massive difference. I think people should be should be thankful for it. And the biggest thing for me, mate, and and uh, you know, we've spoken all the way along this yeah. journey is that I, I, th- I think you've done it in the right way because there's a lot of ways you could have gone about this and uh, and, I, and I think you can be I think you can not only be very proud of what you did but how you did it and I think I think that's really really important you've definitely made it made a difference and look you know uh, thank you for for getting us to where we where we've been because I think in the end as football fans we're always going to moan. We're always going to moan about something, but let's moan about what's going on on the pitch, not have to... Our biggest concern as football supporters should be what's happening for 90 minutes. Of course. What's happening outside of that. And for two, three years now, our biggest concern has not been what's happening on the football field. It's been been what's happening off it and whether or not we would have even have a football club to support and and as i say the the fact that that 
that um, that that has been alleviated and that we can go back to moaning about the fullbacks um, <laughs> is 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 testament to you guys, uh, you at A for A and and the guys at S for A. So you know, the, Pete, I don't know whether you've anything to add, but I, I personally just want to say thank you to thanks, you guys man. for the work you work you've done. Thank you. Yeah, I'll just echo that. Um, big thanks to to you, Ali, and everyone at Action for Albion and shareholders for Albion, everyone else that's highlighted these issues and, and done something to, to try and stop it and make sure we've got a football club supporting. Absolutely. And all I'd say, finally, we've now got an opportunity. Thank you for all your support through all of it. Not just as Al, uh, Albion Analysis, but like as a mate, Chris, especially. Uh, not that you're not, Pete, but I speak to Chris <laughs> regularly and we've become good mates now. And I'll tell you what, people should learn about our relationship. We don't agree on many things, right? <laughs> We don't do it, and that's that's not be. We, we've got opposite views on a lot of things, but I tell you what, I respect your view, you respect mine, and you don't have to have a bun fight just because you don't you disagree with people. You can we're grown ups, we act like grown ups. You can have a debate, look at it from different sides, but we're on the same coin. You know, I just I just think that people should just take a chill pill. It's not football's massively important to all of us. But so are friendships. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm never gonna lose a friend because I like I don't rate Connor Townsend as much as you do, for instance, right? Won't happen. And that's a real positive thing, I think. I think that's what I like about having the last eighteen months it's enabled me to interact with more Albion people like you. And I think that's a really good thing. And and we've protected that and we've gone a long way about doing it. But yeah, so I wanted to thank thank you guys, but uh, while I'm out here, give the opportunity to thank every single Albion fan that has supported or not supported us. It doesn't matter. We're all part of the same family and we've now got a new regime to look forward to. So thanks for all the support. You probably won't see my big ginger head as far uh, as many times now, but I just want to go back to supporting the football club I've always loved. And did you know I had the same seat? I don't know whether you. <laughs> well, uh, Ali, I've got to be honest. Uh, you know, you probably will uh, will see me popping up here, there, and everywhere because I never turned down an interview. But it, it'll just <laughs> it'll just be nice if I don't get asked about you in them. So, <laughs> and I mean that in the nicest possible way. Oh, I'll take it everywhere you go, mate. Yeah, but, yeah, it's been a great ride, and I'm just proud of where we've got to. And let's hope we can all celebrate in May at Wembley. That would yeah. be a good way to end the season, wouldn't it? So wouldn't wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't that be lovely? So yeah, yeah let, let's uh, let's hope we're all having a pint at Wembley together uh, in, so. in in the sunshine in May, uh, celebrating yeah. an Albion promotion. That wouldn't that be ideal? But fantastic. It, uh, hopefully, you've enjoyed this episode. Hopefully, you've uh, you, you, you've you've learned something. I, I, I know Pete and I both have about where we are as a football club, about the finances behind it. And uh, look, as always, thanks for listening and. Up the baggies. Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNugget share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.